0: Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, well, I have a message for you this morning. Um, If you have Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3. If you have your phone, you can do that until you get to Galatians chapter 3. We'll get there in a minute. Um, We've been in a series called Co-Create. Co-Create. And the main premise of this series has been that God has called you individually and us corporately to be the transformative, the the agents of change and transformative agents in this world and the world around us. God created us to be like Him. The Bible says we're created in His likeness and in His image. So by nature, by nature, we will be creative beings, right? We're creating the likeness and image of a creator. We're going to be creative beings. All right, let me give you an example of that. Um, is it any wonder that the Hendersons, I'm going to pick on you guys, okay? Is it any wonder that the Hendersons up here are raising kids that are turning out to be pretty good musicians, right? Because when the Hendersons make a baby, right, that baby's going to sing on key and going to clap on beat, Right? <laughs> Because their babies are made in their likeness and in their image, right? <laughs> Ava's got a great voice. Boaz is learning drums really well. All right. Same thing with Emily and I. When, when Chamberlains make a baby, the baby climbs something. I don't know. <laughs> we might not clap on beat. Well, you do, right? But, um, yeah, the singing voice is over there, not over here. <clears throat> But the creative expression of God is expressed in us, in his children. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God brings the solution to problems that you face, that your world faces all around us. And I just, I don't know, if you don't see yourself that way, I want you to see yourself that way. I want you to see yourself as the agents of change in your home, in your workplace, in your city, in this world. So we just want to call you higher, and we want to empower you and empower us um, as a church to live up to that standard. The Bible says, so in this series, the Bible says that we are co-labors with God. We did a message on being co-labors with God. We work together with God. The Bible says that we are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-inheritors with Jesus, and we talked about that last week. And then the Bible also says that we will reign with Christ, actually rule and reign with him. It's an amazing thing, and and actually, I'm. We'll talk about that um, next week, but this week I actually want to hone in a little bit more on a verse that we talked about last week. Um, I want to put a little more meat on the bone here and help us kind of develop this a little bit better. Um, the, the the verse I talked about last week was Romans chapter eight, verses seventeen. It says, "Now if we are children, so we're we're children of God. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ." So we talked all about that. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might share in his glory. So last week we talked about the first part of this verse, and I said, maybe we'll touch on the second part of this verse. And, and, and to be honest, I don't like this if. I don't, I don't like the, the if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might share with his glory. I wish the scripture read like this. I wish it was, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ in order that we might share in his glory, right? <laughs> but it doesn't say that. There's, there's this if placed in the middle of the sentence and something about suffering in the middle of that whole thing, which I'm like, I don't, I don't know. There's certain Bible verses. I'm like, I don't really like that one. I like the first part. I like the second part. I don't like the middle. So what's, what's all this if about, all right? If we are children of God and we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, Woohoo! that's exciting. The second part. If indeed we share it with His sufferings, in order that we also might share it in His glory. That part's like, yuck, right? Okay, it's it's June 30th, summer kind of like months. You don't typically have like a lot of new visitors in the summer. That's like fall and winter, you know. So we're hiding this message in the middle of the summer. We're just going to stick it in here in the middle of the summer. It's a a maturity message that we're going to preach to you today. And, uh, you know... There's some, yeah, there's some vegetables here today, I guess, right? Vegetables are good for you. <laughs> you can't eat cotton candy every day. <laughs> Your kids will disagree, but you know you can't eat cotton candy every day. But uh, apparently, God has inheritance for us, and part of that inheritance is contingent upon some type of suffering that we'll get into today. So what does that mean? All right, by the way, the title of my message today is called If. It's the shortest title of a message I've ever had. <laughs> and we're just going to talk about this verse. Very concise, short, concise. Okay, Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 26 through 27. He says this, So in Christ Jesus you are all, everyone say all. all. You are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Okay, so the writer here, Paul, he says, We're all children of God faith. And last week we talked about John chapter 1, verses 12. It says, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, that's a cool verse. We have the right, immediately when we receive Jesus, to become children of the Most High God. And this happens immediately after we receive Jesus. Um, You are a child of God. You have a new identity in God immediately when you receive Jesus, whether you believe that or not, that is your identity, it's given, boom. Whether you understand that identity, whether you believe that identity, you have it automatically when you say yes to Jesus. Okay, so part of our inheritance is not contingent upon anything. That part you get, boom, right away, okay? But let's look at this again. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. The if here is not talking about whether we are children or God, whether we are children of God or not, that's not what the if is saying here. The if is saying that part of our inheritance is contingent on if we share in His sufferings. And I'll say it like this: the real question is, the real question is, God has an inheritance for us. The real question isn't, will we get that inheritance? The question actually becomes, when will we get that inheritance? Okay, when will we get that inheritance? What part can we have access to now? What part will we have access to in heaven? Can we have more now, and you know what I mean okay, so galatians chapter um, let 's jump down to Galatians four now, the next chapter we 're going to read verses one through seven here. It says this: Paul says this: what I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father, so also we were underage, under age um, under we were in slavery under the elementary spiritual forces of this world. But when a set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Verse 6, because you are his sons, God has sent, his, sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Okay, so that's really similar to what we read last week um, in the book of Romans. This particular passage is talking about the fruition uh, of Jesus, the set time that the Father had set when Jesus would come into this world. And and um, under the law, they were under the stewardship of the schoolmaster that was pointing to Jesus. Okay, so that's speaking about a specific situation. When the set time had come, Jesus came to redeem those under the law that we might receive an inheritance. But this also outlines a really huge principle. And here's the principle. You don't give all the inheritance to a kid who isn't ready for it. Okay? You don't give all the inheritance to kids who aren't ready for that inheritance. If they're not mature, you you give that inheritance to a guardian and a trustee that look over it for a while, and then when that heir becomes mature enough to handle that inheritance, then you give the full inheritance, right? It says, verse verse one, as long as the heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns, it's all his. He owns the whole estate. It all belongs to the heir, but he doesn't have access to all of it yet, right? In other words, maybe there's access, there are some things that belong to us, there's a whole estate that God has for us that we don't have access to yet. Because of maturity, the word "underage" here it means um, uh, "nepios." It it means an infant, simple-minded, or immature person. And in Scripture, it's also used to highlight what an immature Christian looks like. The same the same word. So imagine. So here's an illustration. Um, Imagine you have a billionaire grandfather. Okay, imagine that. Maybe some of you do, I don't know. What are you doing here? (laughs) Okay, Um, you have a billionaire grandfather. And, but you're 15, but you're just 15 years old, right? You're 15 years old. Now, if your grandfather is smart, you, you don't hand a 15 year old billions of dollars, right? For obvious reasons, right? Because you don't want him to waste that money and you want him to do good things with that money, right? So, if he's smart, you don't hand a 15 um, year old billions of dollars to say, have at it, right? They will do stupid things with it, won't they? Uh, if grandpa is smart, he'll set up an account, he'll set up trustees to look over the account. And then, like, when you're 16 years old, he's like, okay, now he can have 20,000, 25,000 for a nice, reliable, safe car, right? And then, when he's 18, he can have another access to another 50K or whatever so he can go to college. Hopefully college actually costs 60K and he has to work for like at least a little bit of it, right? So he learns a work ethic as well, right? And then when he's, you know, 25, maybe give him the rest at that point. Now he can buy a house and do whatever he wants with it, right? Because how many know that your, our brains, human brains, are not fully de- they're not fully developed till the age of 25, that your likeliness of becoming like substance addicted, alcoholic, all these things are hugely diminished after the age of 25. If you delay a lot of these things until 25, the likeliness of you becoming addicted to something is, is, is significantly diminished after the age of 25. Why? Our brains are fully developed, okay? <clears throat> so if grandpa's smart, he's gonna wait to give you that full inheritance until you're ready for it. Papa knows the inheritance can actually destroy you if you get it too early. I actually have friends, personal friends of mine, who while they're alive have received an inheritance and they have more money. Some people just come into more money and they, it destroys them. They do terrible things with it. A lot of us think, like, oh, if I could just have more money. Like, honestly, maybe the fact that you don't have more money is a good thing. Maybe it's actually the provision of God keeping you from going crazy, right? I actually have friends who have received an inheritance and have, like, gone ballistic in their life like unhinged, marriage is falling apart, and they have more resource than ever. It gets crazy. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, um, does anyone ever watch like the ESPN 30 for 30? There's the one called Going Broke, and it talks about all the football players who several years after receiving all of this money for the first time are spend it all are completely broke, okay? I'm actually, I'm just gonna play this, there's a trailer, just a promotional trailer. I'll play it and you guys will get the point, so go ahead and roll that. My first contract, I think it was uh, six million dollars over, over five years. 7.6 million. $2.5 million a year. Number one all time. That's, that's the biggest NFL contract in NFL history for a defensive player. My first check was for like $500,000. $33.5 million for seven years. And then I went on a splurge. <laughs> the first thing I bought for myself was a, uh, a Cadillac Escalade. I wanted earrings that you know, were $30,000. I always wanted the Porsche, but need the Porsche at the exact same time I had to escalate and a trick down the Young athletes and their millions, the pitfalls of that much money. What is it about young guys coming into the league these days? What are the pressures on them that cause them to get into that position? I lost two houses back to back. I lost four houses. Man, you keep this up, you could be broke. I ended up to the point where I was broke. I'm just here to tell you, man, it doesn't last forever. Before you know it, looked up, I was broke. <laughs> How many you have seen that, that 30 for 30? It's really, it's really good. But point is, see, this is what happens when you hand young people who don't know how to handle money, and, and probably came from not very much, you hand them all this money, and boom, they go ballistic. Waste it all. You guys remember the story of the prodigal son in the Bible. It's like he, He's like, Father, give me my inheritance. He takes his inheritance, he goes and splurges it all. He goes and wastes it all, right? The best thing that ever happened to that boy was that he ran out of money. Right, because then he came to the end of himself, and he realized the real inheritance is actually back with my father. Right, so sometimes God, in His wisdom, doesn't give us access to everything He actually wants to bless us with, because He knows that some things will hurt us. We're not ready for them yet. You own the whole estate. You have a huge inheritance. Like you have, you have a father in heaven who has a huge inheritance for you, both spiritually and materially, and all this different stuff. But in his wisdom, he doesn't give us access to all of it at once. Ephesians, check this out, Ephesians chapter one, verses three, it says, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'who has blessed us in the heavenly realms "'with every spiritual blessing.'" Every spiritual blessing that can be given to you actually belongs to you. Well, let let me ask you this question, okay? So just a, a thought experiment here. Does healing belong to the children of God? Physical healing. Yes, obviously, it belongs healing. We believe in healing. We believe that it is something that is for today. We see miracles that happen. But what would happen if you, all of a sudden, you had a 100% success rate? Like every person you prayed for was immediately and totally healed. I'll tell you what would happen. I'll tell you what happened. People who are really rich all around the world would find out about it, and they would offer you private jets to get on a jet to come pray for their dying family member. It would be, they would offer you millions and millions of dollars to come do it. It would be crazy. God in his wisdom has distributed the gifts of the spirit to the body of Christ so that we don't pass up the homeless guy on the street or the person in the mall. Right? He distributed, in his wisdom, according to his will, he's distributed these gifts um, so that we bring him glory. The body of Christ bl- brings God glory. I don't think there's one person in the world who could ha- has the, the character and the integrity to have a 100% track record to receive, to pray for anyone, and healing happens every, every time. And sometimes he'll use, you know, it's like, if I have a need in my life and someone comes up and they just barely met Jesus, they're like, can I pray for you? I'm like, sure, pray for me. It'd be just like God to flow through you. It'd be just like God to pass up the, the seasoned Christian of 30 years and to flow through this person who just gave their life to Jesus. Why? Because he's good at keeping us humble. He's actually good at helping us Grow in maturity. He's actually good at letting the situations happen in life because he's a good father. And so you have inheritance that you haven't fully been able to access to, um, to yet. Jesus provided much more than just getting you into heaven. Jesus provided much more than just getting us into heaven someday. It takes a mature believer to learn what Jesus has given us, to lay hold of what Jesus has given us, and to steward what Jesus has given us. Okay, that takes process and maturity to understand that is for today. Ben mentioned this in his testimony. He's like, no, this is, healing is for today. And I don't have to sit at home and be sick. I'm gonna believe that I can be healed and I can go on this ride. He was, he was actually fighting a battle, laying hold of an inheritance. He was laying hold of an inheritance and he fought a battle to get that inheritance. Come on. God didn't just hand that to him. He had to go get in the car and then worship and fight through him, Okay. And this is where we're going with this. Most believers believe enough to get them into heaven, but they've never discovered how to get heaven into them and how to release heaven all around them. And so how do we grow in maturity? How can we be faithful? How can we be faithful? This is a question with the little things. How can we be faithful to little things so that God can actually trust us with more? I think about this a lot with our church. I want to steward... I don't think we've had small beginnings. I think we had a very successful like, beginning. But I want to steward this season of our church because I want to be trusted with more. I want to, I want to um, steward the finances of this church well and make sure we have all of our, our, our things in a row so that God can trust us with more. Amen? I want, to, I want to treat people good so that God can trust us with more people. Amen? It's the same thing in anything in your life. God wants to release more to you. I think I believe it's his heart to bless us. It's his heart to give us more and more. But he doesn't want to give you more than you can handle at any given time. Yeah. Okay, so Galatians chapter 2, four, uh, 4, 2 through 5. It says this. <clears throat> the heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elementary spiritual forces of this world. But when they set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Okay, this word here, what's talking about Jesus God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. This word here is not speaking of an immature son. This is speaking of a mature son. Contrast that with the the word above that was the underage. Now, this isn't shocking. Like, Jesus is the mature son, right? That shouldn't be very shocking to us. When Jesus stepped up to claim his inheritance... By the way, you are his inheritance. The nations are Jesus' inheritance. When he stepped up to claim his inheritance, he was a mature son. But what's, what's interesting to me, it's kind of an interesting study. Obviously, we know Jesus lived an absolutely sinless life the whole time he was on earth. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, yet without sin, right? Right? So we have a high priest who's able to sympathize and empathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. But the Bible says before he was able to offer salvation to all of humanity, the Bible actually says this, don't shoot me, the Bible says this, that he had to be made perfect. Hmm. Jesus had to be made perfect? What's up with that? Again, not me, it's in the Bible. We're going to read this, it's in Hebrews chapter 5. Um. 5. Verse seven, it says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions and fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Watch this. He was heard because of his reverent submission. I find it interesting. He wasn't heard because he was the son of God. It doesn't say he was heard because he was the son of God. It says he was heard because of his reverent submission. He wasn't heard because he was God or the son of God. Is the Bible says he was heard because of his reverent submission to God. Now, obviously, we know God hears everything. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows everything there is that can be known. Everything that can be known, he knows, right? So he hears you in that sense. But the answer to prayer, he, he apparently, being in reverent submission, has a lot to do with the answers to our prayers. And I would say it's important, yes, it's important to know you're a son, know you're a daughter of God. Of course, that's an important aspect of knowing who you are and what belongs to you and your inheritance, but reverent submission apparently is a huge key to us as well, okay? This is not shouting preaching, is it? But it's good. It's just the Bible, guys. It's just the Bible. Don't shoot me. Okay, and by the way, this is not talking about Jesus' suffering on the cross because it says here in Hebrews 7, uh, 5, 7, that is talking about uh, during the days of Jesus' life on earth. So everything that he endured before the cross actually prepared him for the cross itself, okay? So watch this, uh, Hebrews chapter five, verses eight through nine. It says, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who would obey him. This is, this is crazy. Like, this is... I don't know where this fits in your theological paradigm, but this is like, I've read over this a few times, I'm like, I don't get that, I don't get that, and I'm like, finally, I'm like, I'm going to get this, so I've been digging into it. Apparently, Jesus had to be made perfect. Okay, Jesus was fully God, fully man, and completely sinless, but apparently he had to learn obedience as a man to take full possession of his inheritance, Okay, fully God, fully man, fully sinless and perfect, yet he had to mature as a man before he was ready to take hold of his inheritance, okay? In fact, Luke chapter two, verses 52, it says this. When Jesus was a boy, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and man. Now, to grow in something, it has to start lower and get bigger. Like, there's measurement happening here, right? Right? To say Jesus grew in wisdom means at one point there was less wisdom and he got more wisdom, just like he grew in stature. And what really blows me away is it says, and he grew in favor with, not with just man. It wouldn't surprise me that Jesus had to grow in favor with man. You know, as you get older, it's like people get more favor. But more favor with God? Crazy. I think, this is what I think, I think he had all favor. I think he had um, God's, God, of course, favored him highly, among uh, more than anyone. But he, as a man, he grew into that favor. As a man, he grew into that influence, okay? And Jesus is our example of how God moves in our lives. Okay, so... <clears throat> okay. If you're a believer in Jesus, then your son or your daughter... And God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual inheritance. But apparently learning obedience through suffering has a lot to do with what we can have access to here and now. Okay, so how do we become, the question becomes this, how do we become mature? I want to be mature now, <laughs> after reading all this. Like, I want to be mature because I want inheritance. I want to walk in more blessing. I want to be faithful to a little so I can be faithful with more. How do we become mature? Listen, maturity comes I'm sorry, it's June 30th, there aren't many guests here. I'm just gonna tell it to you. Maturity comes through enduring hardships. (laughs) Maturity comes by going through hard things, okay? It's how you deal with things that are not fair in your life. It's how you deal with injustices in your life. How do you handle those injustices? That's a good measurement of how mature you are in God. It's how you face failure. How do you face failure? Our, our daughter, um, Evie, she's been playing soccer for a few years, and she's good. Like She's really good, and, um, she's been, and she's been on some teams in the past, and she's been on teams that are really good, and they win lots of games, and they don't lose very many. This year, we put her on a team. The coach is never coached before. She's a sweet young lady, and she's never coached before, and most of the team was brand new. So we put Evie on this team, and she's super competitive. Like she hates losing. She does not like to lose. She'll Bryce seen it because ella has been on our team for. She like yells at her other teammates. Like, come on, what is that? What are you doing? <laughs> and I kind of do too. You know, I show up to these games, and I've had a little coffee, and I'm like, Oh, Kurt, calm down. It's like little girl soccer here, you know. Your pastor in the city and sitting here yelling at kids, you know, yelling at little girls. <laughs> little girl soccer. I can't help it, guys. Anyway, she's on this team this year, and I'll just be honest, they suck. Like they I think they lost every game. They lost every single game, and she was so like distraught. She'd leave and just so mad because her team sucks. You know, they're just not good. And I'm like, look, honey, they're not very good. Okay? And you've been doing this well, while. And um, I said, but listen, there's something you can learn from this season. You're going to learn how to lose well. <laughs> Part of life is learning how to be a good, a good loser, right? So people are great at being good winners, usually. But some people are terrible at being good losers. Sometimes God sends us through the school of being a loser, right? And he wants to see how well you can lose, right? I told Evie, I'm like, all right, you're going to go. You listen, try hard. Like try your hardest. And when your team and try to help your team tell them where to stand and not to cluster all together and to be paying attention, you know? But then tell them good job and give them high fives, right? And encourage them and then give the other team shake their hand, look them in the eye and tell them good game, you know? I think she probably learned more through this season of literally losing every game um, than in the past seasons where they were they were just killing it. They were winning every game, okay? This is how we Mature. We endure hardship. We endure failure, injustices. It's how we face problems. It's how you deal with the promotion that you deserved, that you got passed over for. In retrospect, there's promotions that I applied for I'm so glad I never got. Thank God that I didn't get those promotions that I was applying for years ago because I wouldn't be here doing this right now. God, in his wisdom, was leading me in the right direction. Okay? I'll ask you a question. Who throws temper tantrums, adults, or babies, or toddlers. Now, they, we all kind of, I guess we all have the capacity to throw a temper tantrum. But temper tantrum, you think of a toddler when you think of a temper tantrum. Like, they're upset, they throw themselves on the floor. It's like, this isn't getting you nowhere, you know? This is not gonna get you anywhere. Mature people don't do temper tantrums, they're just like, okay. it's <laughs> yep. good, gonna go. <laughs> what, what, my lip here, <laughs> right? That's maturity. <laughs> maturity is biting your lip or thinking about what you're going to say before you say it. Okay. That's maturity. Kids don't get they want. Ah, right. That's immaturity. Okay. So maybe God in his wisdom is holding something in trust for you for later that you're not ready for. He's a good papa. He's a good father. So maturity is not learned through the successes of life. Maturity is learned through the failures of life. Okay, sorry to be the mailboy on that. It just is. Okay, listen, do, do athletes train themselves by sitting in, in front of the Xbox and eating potato chips? I mean, unless you're a a gamer. Unless you're a gamer, you probably need to, right? No, they, they get out and then they do hard things, right? They, they subject their bodies to punishments so their body gets stronger and train themselves to be physically fit. okay. So, all right, let me give you a couple scriptures to just drive this home, and, uh, and then we'll let you digest it. <laughs> this is just broccoli. Digest it, guys, okay? <laughs> James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I love how he doesn't qualify, he doesn't qualify those trials. He doesn't say, like, I gotta be careful to make this point. There are a lot of things that come our way that God is isn't sending our way. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Jesus comes, we may have life and have life abundantly. So I don't want to give God a bad rap by saying any and everything that comes your way is from God. However, he doesn't really go through that there. He doesn't say anything about that. He says just trials of many kinds. So I will say this. God is efficient. Maybe he didn't cause that trial, but he'll still use that trial in your life because he will work, what, all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, because he's a good father, doesn't mean he's mean okay, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing oh my gosh that's That's spinach right there (laughs) (laughs) Consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that it produces perseverance. Listen, you need perseverance. I need perseverance. We all need perseverance, okay? Why? Because we don't want to be the toddler throwing ourselves on the floor. Okay. What kind of strange trials he's talking about? It seems so ambiguous to me. He doesn't qualify it. He doesn't say, well, this type of thing is from God. This thing's from the enemy. This thing's from being in a fallen world. Some things are from, some things God actually says, yeah, you're going to go through that. Other things God says, or the enemy is an attack of Satan. Another thing, it's just a product of being, um, a symptom of being in a fallen world around fallen people, okay? But God says he'll use all things together for good to those who, are, um, who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is very efficient to using everything for our maturity, okay? Why? Because he wants us to have an inheritance. He actually wants to give you more. All right, let me give you another scripture. I, by the way, there are, I could find like probably five more scriptures that say basically the same thing here that talks about pressures, the pressures of life that produce like gold in us, okay? Um, But I'll I'll just stick with this one today. Um, Hebrews, we'll do Hebrews 12. We'll do four through 11, but I'll stop here in the middle. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says... My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises, uh, chastises everyone he accepts as a son. Okay? Verse seven, watch this. Endure hardship as discipline. Dang it, he doesn't qualify it again. He doesn't say whether this is... You know the enemy coming to kill, steal, and destroy you. Whether God allowing something or whether being in the product of a fallen, sinful world around us, He just says endure hardship. I mean, is anyone going through anyone going through anything hard? Have you gone through anything hard lately? He says, hey, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Okay, we're legitimate children of God. Legitimate children are are disciplined. He does discipline us because we are legitimate children. If you don't discipline your children, you're not helping them. You're not being a good father, right? You're not being a good mother if you don't discipline and guide and correct and point them in the right direction. Of course, you do that with a loving hand. You do that with a lot of encouragement, but you also do that with firmness and with boundaries and those kind of things. Okay, Uh, let's pick up Hebrew chapter 12, verses eight through 11. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. True sons... Uh, And not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They, speaking of our fathers, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. All right, let me pause on the word holiness right now. In order that we might share in his holiness, Listen, holiness, according to Colossians, I don't know the particular verse right now, it says that we have been given righteousness and holiness in God. <clears throat> so again, that's something you've been given at salvation, but for that holiness to work its way into your lifestyle, for holiness to manifest in your life, there is a, um, a process of being disciplined by the grace of God, being disciplined by the Father so that holiness works its way out into your life, okay? <clears> okay. <throat> um, Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Again, righteousness, that's something that's given to you at the cross when you receive Jesus. But a harvest of righteousness and peace looks like God working these things in you and maturing you as a believer so that they manifest around you. You want peace manifesting around you? Let righteousness do its work. Let the Father's discipline do its work. Okay? I'll say it this way. The hardships you face are not because you're not a son or daughter. The hardships you're facing are because you're a son and a daughter. I think we get into a quandary sometimes. We're like, if I was a Christian, if I was a child of God, I wouldn't be going through this. Maybe... (laughs) Maybe you are going through it because you're a son or daughter of God and God is working in us for our good, amen? Okay, your identity as a son daughter has been freely given to you as a believer, but your inheritance has been talked about just a minute ago. Your inheritance has to be battled for. You have the whole estate. It all belongs to you. But how much you have access to now actually is contingent upon how much you are willing to battle for it. And we see this throughout scripture. When, God, when the children of Israel, God delivers them from Egypt, right? They watch all the plagues of Egypt. God systematically destroys and demolishes Egypt, right? He delivers them. They leave Egypt. They have plunder, gold, and all these different things. They get to the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts before them. They go into the wilderness because they're not ready for the promised land yet. Why? They're not mature. They go into the wilderness They're led by um, a pillar of smoke by day and fire by night. And manna, bread from heaven, appears on the ground every day for them to eat. Like he totally supernaturally sustains them. Their clothes don't wear out. It's totally supernaturally sustained, right? But when, when it's time to take their inheritance, when it's time to go into the promised land, then what? They have to fight some battles. They have to fight some battles, don't they? They have to walk around some cities They have to to engage in some battles. So some of your inheritance, God actually in his wisdom is waiting for you to rise up and actually fight for those things. Some things are free and he'll give you. Some battles you don't have to fight at all. You'll just walk right into them. Yay, battle won. Other things God's like, no, this one I want you to contend for. This one I want you to believe for. Why? Because he's growing us in maturity. He wants us to be mature believers who can be trusted with an inheritance. This is why God actually gave them, and they didn't take the whole land at once either, did they? They went and the Bible says that God gave them the land little by little, like lot by lot, piece by piece, because they weren't ready to take and maintain and have possession. They didn't have the infrastructure to maintain that entire nation until they had taken it piece by piece, little by little. Your identity is a free gift. Your inheritance many times has to be fought for. God wants to give you and I an inheritance and that comes through maturity. but Maturity comes through identifying with the sufferings of Jesus, suffering with him. Some of that's persecution, being identified with Jesus. Will you, will you stand when no one's standing for God? Some of that, that's probably a big piece of it. Will you stand with God when no one else is standing with God? That, and there's persecution involved with that. But I'll close with this, and I'll, I'll just read this, this verse one more time and let you chew on it. Go home and... Take a nap to digest this message. <laughs> Romans 8:17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, we're inheritors, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if we share in his sufferings, in order that we all may also share in his glory. Father, I thank you that you want to actually, there's a part of your glory, Lord God, that you want to share with your children. You want to glorify us with you in some ways, Lord God. I pray, God, we'd be worthy, God of sharing in that glory one. And if there's a work of maturity that you're doing in anyone here, and I think that's everyone here, Lord, I just bless them and I pray that we would endure hardships as the Lord's discipline. And we would endure hardships because you're working all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so Lord, we know you're a good Papa, God. You don't send calamity on us. You don't send these things. You don't strike your children with sickness, God. But God, I also thank you that you'll use anything, you're efficient, Lord God. And so I just bless this congregation day with that word. We love you, in Jesus name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us and we hope you have a blessed week.